in the, uh, what might be the most well-known chapter, um, at least potentially containing the most well-known verse in all the Bible, John 3, 16. Let's quote it together. Here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Last week we focused on that verse. It is the gospel in 25 words. Don't start counting them. Wait till you get home. Um, that God loves people. And, and, and by the way, we know God loves people based on what I said last week because he sent his son to die on the cross for us. And you cannot dispute that God loves people when you look at the cross. That's how he proved his love for people. And then those who believe then on Jesus Christ have eternal life. That is the that in a nutshell is the gospel. That is the message that Jesus is trying to tell Nicodemus. It's the message he wants you to hear this morning. It's the message he wants his people to tell the world that he came. He loves people. He proved it by dying on the cross. That's his proof of love. And then in those who believe have eternal life. Jesus made it clear that salvation is possible through the love and sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. But in this conversation here with Nicodemus, he goes on to explain why these links were necessary. Because there's a reason that he had to go to those lengths. And beginning in John 3.17, I want to see what those reasons are to help us to understand. Look what it says. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. Aren't you thankful you're not condemned? If you have eternal life, I'm thankful. But look, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. The reason that God sent his one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to provide eternal life was because of one word, condemnation. Our sin means we are condemned before God. The guilt of mankind has already been declared and decided. And listen, without help, condemnation causes all people to perish. The world is condemned already. Those that are not in Christ are condemned already. That's why Jesus Christ came with a different mission. And I want to look at that this morning. The title is simply from the text condemned already let's pray and ask the Lord to help us Lord I know that I desperately need you I cannot do this without your help I do come with bare hands and I'm begging you Lord would you please through me the Holy Spirit would you please illuminate our hearts to the word here this morning and and I pray that you would convict hearts and help us to see um, the condemnation potentially then the salvation that's available we love you we need you we pray that you bless the reading of your word In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. 
You know, people don't like the word judgment these days. Uh, to feel judged has become a major trigger for people, hasn't it? Um, universities, I've been reading this week a little bit about this. Universities and corporations have begun implementing uh, these policies on non-judgmental language. Words and phrases that, that do not put a negative interpretation on what someone else might be saying. For instance, the University of Wisconsin-Stevens recommends things like this. Instead of saying, you're wrong, say, my experience has been. Or, I see this differently. Instead of saying, that's ridiculous, you might want to say that sometimes. Use, what makes that a fair solution? I don't know how those are connected, but that's what they say. Instead of saying, you aren't doing this right, use, this is different than what I expected. I was thinking about my children, raising children, you know. I was thinking, they're not obeying. Instead of saying, you aren't doing this right, say, this is different than what I expected. <laughs> I'm not sure that would go, I, that just doesn't seem right, does it? Uh, that's, my dad never said that to me, so... You know, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be tactful. I hope you understand. I'm using that as some humor. But we've probably taken sensitivity too far. Okay? I think we have. Amen, Pastor Jet. If someone is wrong or making statements that aren't based in reality, which seems to happen all the time these days, then a good dose of loving truth might be just what the doctor ordered. See, people are, are so sensitive to coming across as judgmental and being canceled that we've almost lost our nerve to speak truth, even in love. And here's the reality that God is a God of judgment. He declares things right and wrong. Uh, this book is a book of judgment. It makes moral judgment about right and wrong. And we have to be careful to think that there's never, you're never allowed to say something is right. You're never allowed to say something is wrong because we have a God and a Bible that do that very thing. Now, let's be balanced. It also says, speak the truth in love. See, our motivation for everything that we do ought to be love. 1 Corinthians 13 promoted charity or love, unconditional love, agape love as the highest virtue. Jesus told his disciples that, they would, that the world would know who they are, not based on what they did, but on the love that they have for each other. So I'm not saying that because God is a God of judgment, then now we have license to be cruel and hateful and say whatever we want to say without any love. That is not what I'm saying at all. I am saying that sometimes, though, truth needs to be spoken. And if you're going to speak the truth, do it in a spirit of love. Judgment should not be motivated by hate. It should be motivated by a heart of love so that someone else could be improved or someone else could fix something in their life. Because if we, do our, if we are judgmental without a heart of love, then there is a wrong kind of judgment. The Pharisees practice that all the time. So John 3, though, really gives us both sides. It gives us love and judgment. God's love is evident that he sent his son to die on the cross for mankind to redeem us, to save us from our sins. That's one side. That's love. On the other side is the fact that he also says, uh, Jesus himself says without hesitation that the world is condemned. Condemned in this context means to, means to pass negative judgment on someone, 
to find them guilty of wrongdoing. And the idea behind the word is to separate or pick out. And, and he's making it clear that there are those that have been separated. They are condemned. They are guilty. I was, I, I was trying to figure out how the best way to illustrate or think about this in my mind. And for some reason, maybe I was hungry. It was the middle afternoon. I started thinking about jelly beans. I don't know if you like jelly beans or not, but there's one, I have a, a practice when I have jelly beans in front of me, I go out and I pick out the black ones, not to eat, by the way, but to throw toward the trash can. I don't eat them because I have tried them and have declared them to be guilty of tasting terrible. Condemnation. Now, if you like black jelly beans, I, I'm sorry. I uh, hope we can still be friends. But, you know, that's really the idea of condemnation, separation. That there are those that, that, are, that are right, that, that do know Jesus Christ, and there are those that do not know Jesus Christ. And in a much more serious way, God has already declared that sinners are condemned. He has already passed judgment of guilt. And, and it means a couple of things. The, the first major thing is that Christ's mission was actually not condemnation. His mission was not condemnation. It says verse 17, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. See, God sent Jesus not for the purpose of condemnation. Remember, the idea of condemnation is separation. It's like separating chaff from grain. And I, it's called winnowing. I, I used this a, a few weeks or a couple months ago about how in order to separate the chaff from the grain, someone will take a scoop of the crop, throw it up in the air, and the wind will carry away the light stuff. It'll carry away the chaff. It'll carry away the husks. It'll carry away that which is light, the empty parts. That gets blown out by the wind. The grain, which is heavier, falls directly back to the floor. And now suddenly you have separated that which is fake from that which is real. And Jesus' message is this. The current position of anyone who doesn't know Jesus Christ is that they've already been separated. They've already been condemned. The default position for us is condemnation. Condemned already. And if nothing changes, I hope that you sense the passion this morning. It's not as if you are going to be condemned. The Bible says that you are condemned. The person who does not know Christ will perish if nothing changes. And I read an illustration from a pastor about visiting in Ecuador this tribe, this group of people called the Quechua people. They live up in the mountains and, and they lived in terrible squalor. They lived in homes, holes in the ground that they called homes. They ate food that was rotten. They prized garbage as possessions. And what struck him in this illustration was that they didn't know they were living so far below what they could because that's all they knew. Everyone lived that way. They had no idea of what it meant to be healthy and clean and safe. And listen, without being offensive this morning, spiritually speaking, that's the condition of the lost. That a person that doesn't know Jesus Christ doesn't know how bad things are. Jesus didn't have to come and condemn the world. The world is already condemned. The guilt has already been declared. And here's the problem with this non-judgmental language um, idea is that unless someone is honest, they may never know. 
Unless someone is willing to speak the truth. See, a non-judgmental mindset might say, well, eating rotten food and living in those conditions is not healthy, but I don't want to judge. But don't we owe it to them to at least give them an idea of the way they could be living? To love them enough to want to see them change? To care enough to take some steps? Friends, we don't have to condemn the world. The world stands condemned before God because of sin. But they do need to know their condition. And like we saw last week in verse 16, the world is perishing. And without intervention, they will perish. Now, by the way, this doesn't mean perish. Some people say that perish means annihilation or perish means ceasing to exist. And there are religions that teach that. But Jesus Christ said this in Matthew 25, that some will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. See what, when we die, it may be the end of life here, but it's the beginning of life in eternity. Neither with God or without God. Everlasting punishment in a place that Jesus said where the worm dieth not, where the fire is not quenched. Jesus told a story about a rich man and Lazarus who were separated at death. And Lazarus was taken into Abraham's bosom at death. He went on to eternal life with God. But that rich man was sent in eternal separation and punishment. And we don't know all there is to know about hell. But I can tell you this, you don't want to have to find out for yourself. That's perishing. That's the result of condemnation. And the problem is if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with him, then you are condemned already to that future. That's the default. And unless something changes, that's your destiny. And someone might say, well, are you saying if I don't receive Jesus Christ as my Savior that I'm going to be condemned? Well, no, that's not actually what I'm saying. No, Jesus said you're condemned already. I'm not saying that if you don't receive him that you will be condemned. No, I'm saying that your present condition without Jesus Christ, it's not me saying it, it's Jesus Christ himself saying it. He said you are condemned already. All you have to do to be condemned is to be born a sinner, to sin against God. And the choice that you have to make is whether or not to remove the condemnation and, and believe in Jesus Christ to be saved. So Jesus did not actually come to the world to condemn the world because the world is condemned already. His mission was not condemnation. His mission, number two, his, Christ's mission was salvation. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. See, Jesus came to save people from condemnation. And before you, you pass judgment on a God who you think is cruel or a God who is hateful or a God who doesn't care or a God who doesn't uh, look on the needs of men and have a desire to help them. No, he literally sent Jesus Christ, his son, not for condemnation's sake, but for salvation's sake. Contrary to what some may believe, Ezekiel 18 makes it clear that God takes no pleasure in him that dieth. He doesn't rejoice in that punishment. In, in, in Ezekiel 18, verse 23, he actually asked, Have I any pleasure at all in that, that the wicked should die, saith the Lord? And not that he should turn from his ways and live? 
I think we know the answer just the way that it's asked. That God wants to show mercy. And he wants people to turn from their sins. He delights in repentance. He does not delight in condemnation. Jesus had every right when he came to earth the first time to come with an iron fist. And, and at times he did show his authority. I mean, he just even in chapter 2 of this book, uh, he went into the temple and he cleansed the temple. He kicked people out of the temple who were not doing things the right way. And, and we wouldn't find fault if God had come with, a, with judgment the first time. If he had sent Jesus to execute judgment on the wicked, he, he, we would not fault him for that. He deserves that. He has the right to that. Now, when he comes again, he will do that. Read the book of Revelation, if you want to read Revelation 19 to find out his second coming. Uh, he will come and he will execute judgment. But listen, and, and pay attention to the words of Jesus Christ. But during his first coming, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. His mission was and it still is salvation he will save as many as will receive him God doesn't delight in death he doesn't delight in bondage and misery he doesn't enjoy it when we're when we have to be judged for our sin no he delights to see us set free it is his will that every person is saved he came to die as savior willingly lay down his life so that we could have eternal life for everyone to be saved just think about his name if you wonder if god really truly came and his mission was salvation just think about his name jesus his name jesus means jehovah is salvation so don't assume that he just came for judgment. The world is already judged because of sin. No, his name literally means to rescue or to save. And the purpose of his coming was so that men would no longer have to be under condemnation. In fact, Jesus took God's judgment on, on himself, on his own body when he died on the cross. God's wrath was poured out on his own son. I should have been hanging there. You should have been hanging there. We deserved to have the judgment of our own sin and wrath of God poured out on us. But Jesus took our place. And my question then, if to know all of that, that he came to save and he came to save you, uh, why wouldn't everyone be saved? And it seems like a no-brainer, doesn't it? He, but Jesus tells Nicodemus about that too. Christ's mission was not condemnation. Christ's mission was salvation. But the third truth here is Christ's mission will be rejected by most. He didn't come to condemn. He came to save. Most people are going to reject it. Most people are going to miss it. Look at verse 19. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. See, Jesus came to cast light on sin. Here's just more evidence that Jesus came for salvation's sake. He came to turn on the lights. He came to reveal sin. Unfortunately, most people don't care for the light. You know, people reject Christ for a lot of reasons. Maybe they've been hurt, and I'm not discounting that. There are some that have been hurt. 
Uh, and many say, well, it's because of hypocrisy in the church. And I don't pretend that there's not hypocrisy in the church. I also don't pretend that there's not hypocrisy everywhere. Others just don't have time. Maybe they don't see the urgency. And maybe they just don't believe for some reason or another. But I'll tell you this. I don't know the primary reason that people would give for rejecting Christ. But I know the primary reason Jesus gave that people reject Christ. And that is this. Most people reject him because they love darkness more than light. You say, that's really harsh. That's not me that said it. That's Jesus Christ who knows the hearts of sinners. And he knows why we make the decisions that we do. And he says in verse 19, light came into the world. And men, though still, love darkness. Light means truth. It, it, it means that truth is entered. Darkness represents something false. And that's what people love. They would rather hide and, and not have their sins exposed. They would rather just continue doing what they're doing. I mean, you think about who Jesus is talking to. He's talking to Nicodemus, who's a Pharisee. And, and the Pharisees, Nicodemus, they love their good works. They love their religion. They love to look the part. And Jesus came to earth and he started shining that light on their hypocrisy, saying, you're not good enough. You must confess your sin and believe in me alone. And the religious people in Jesus' day were still in darkness. They didn't want the light to shine on their works and on their sins. But it's not just the religious. For many people, sin is our comfort zone. It's what we know, it's what we enjoy. We have things in our life that we know if we submit to Christ, then we're going to have to change the things that we're living for. And Jesus says, though, that they reject light because their deeds are evil. They don't reject the light, they hate the light, in fact. Verse 20, for everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Because light reveals. Light exposes who we truly are. It means we can no longer hide. I mean, friend, Jesus is the light of the world. And when he came, he shed light that we had never seen before. But the people around him, his mere presence, drew a line in the sand. And they couldn't stand the light because it revealed who they were. They couldn't pretend around Jesus because he could read their hearts and see his heart, their hearts. See, light came exposing and revealing sin. John uses the word reproved in verse 20, sorry, that Jesus said in verse 20, and that means exposed. Light reveals our sins. Light reveals our pride. Light reveals our selfishness. Light reveals and calls attention to the sexual sins that we think no one else sees. Light reveals our pride in religion. Light reveals or exposes our most hidden thoughts. Light reproves or exposes our addictions. It exposes who we are and we don't like it. That's why many people, they step away from biblical preaching and biblical teaching because God's word is like a spotlight on their heart. It's a lamp unto their feet and it's a light unto their path. And when they sit underneath it and they know there are things in their heart that are not right, they don't like how it feels. And I've been accused, I listen, I'm not saying you, I'm saying us. I don't like to have someone preach against things that I, I know are a problem in my own life. It makes me just want to run out of the room, and maybe some of you feel that way today. But listen, that's the wrong approach. You know, I've been accused at times of preaching about an individual person or about a situation. I had no idea what was going on in someone's life because that's what light does. 
It reveals, it makes you feel targeted, and it's not comfortable. And I've stayed, in my time, I've stayed in, in a sketchy hotel or two. I remember one time in Arkansas, which, saying nothing bad against Arkansas, but I'm not necessarily surprised it was Arkansas. I didn't want to take my shoes off when I walked in the room. It was one of those rooms where you turn on the light and the roaches are like, hey, you want a cup of coffee? No, no, the roaches, they just scurry. The light comes on and they scurry. Why? Because the light reveals their presence and they run. You listen, that's how I can be. When I know there's something in my heart, something in my life that I know is not right, and I know that God wants me to take care of, when the light of God's word gets turned on, I just want to run away. Because my sin has been exposed. It's been brought to the surface. We run for the darkest corner of the room. And, and, but look at the contrast. In verse 20 and verse 21, look at the two different ways people respond. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light. He comes to it. He wants it. That his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. See, doeth evil means to remain unrepentant, to continue without change, and to just do what you're, what you're doing, and that you don't care if it's evil, you don't care if God approves or disapproves, but, uh, but when your sin is confronted, you don't want to hear it. You run away, you scurry out of the light, you avoid the truth, you stop coming to church, stop reading your Bible. Because the word is offensive to you. It exposes who you are. And we don't want to be exposed. Brother Sam Davison gives an illustration in his book on John. He says, why does a fugitive not go down to the police station and drink coffee with the cops? Well, obviously because he doesn't want to have his crime revealed and punished. And that's how we are when there's something in our life that shouldn't be there. And we know the word is going to be opened. On the other hand, what verse 21 is saying is if you have nothing to hide, you have no problem going down to the police station and sitting down and talking with police officers. You welcome the light because your works are innocent and there's nothing for you to hide. If you have an emotional reaction to truth when it's preached, it may be that sin lies in a corner of your heart and you don't want it to be exposed. But let me just tell you this, sin destroys us. And the longer you leave it in the corner, I'm telling you, sin never just stays the same. It's, 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 it's a tumor, a cancerous, aggressive tumor in the corner of your heart, of your life, and it will just grow and grow until it overtakes you and destroys you. And you think you're better off to ignore it. You think you're better off to ignore the, the sin and run away from the word. But the word is there to shed light. It, it, to shed light and tell you here's what is in your life. And if you don't change it, you will be destroyed. It's like a medical condition. The exposure is necessary for healing. Otherwise, you just let it linger. Listen, we've already been condemned. The light is simply making us aware of it. And before you think that light is not, is, is me, no, it's God's mercy. He's trying to show you where you're condemned and, and show you what needs to be changed. And when you hear the preaching or you read God's word or someone tells you the truth in love, don't run away. Listen, don't hate the light when it shines, get right. 
Without light, none of us could be saved. Light reveals our sin, which that, that lets us know we've fallen short. Light re also, though, reveals a Savior, which tells us the answer to our sin problem. Don't run from the light. God is shining a light on your sin this morning. But he's also shining a light on the Savior. He's not shining a light to condemn you, make you feel worse, and make you guilty. You're already guilty. No, he wants you to know that you're guilty, but he also wants you to know there's a Savior who died for your sins and can save you from your sins and give you eternal life instead of having everlasting punishment. Don't run away from the light. Let God fix your problem by revealing the light and letting it expose your sin. Don't hate the light when it shines. Get right. You'll find that the more honest you are, about your sin, the more you expose yourself to the light, then you have a clear conscience. And when you finally know Christ and he washes you, cleanses you from your sins, it keeps you coming back to the light because you have nothing to hide anymore. Don't you want that? I mean, can't you imagine a day when you anticipate hearing God's word being preached? I mean, a day when you want God to work in your life and you have nothing to hide and you come to church and you're excited because you know that God is changing you and transforming you and you'll get to a point in which you welcome the exposure. That's why some people at Eastside have been reading their Bibles for decades. <laughs> because a long time ago they decided, no, exposure to the light is what I need. And it changed them. They were saved through the light and they're kept clean by the light and they keep coming back. It's why they come back to church faithfully every Sunday. And most people, many in this room, I know, no matter what the service is, no matter what we're doing, they're going to be here. Why? Because they're compelled by truth. And they know that exposure to God's word is, is hard at times, but it's the only way to have the peace and the contentment that we all desire. It's the only way to get clean and stay clean. It's the only way to, get those, to do those works that please God. Most people, though, reject the message of Christ's mission because they love the deeds of darkness, and so they miss the light. Which means that most people miss genuine salvation because they hate the light. And they'd rather not know they're condemned than deal with it and be saved. But my challenge to you today is this, don't hate the light. When it shines, get right. When you hear something that pricks your heart, respond. That's, that's not just a guilty conscience, that's a Holy Spirit. When you, hear, when you have opportunities to read God's word, do it. Because as sweet as it is to come and hear preaching... The best part of a relationship with God is that you don't have to have a priest or a mediator telling you what God, God's word says. You can know it for yourself. Amen. When you have opportunities to hear God's word, don't miss it. Now, I feel bad for the guys that miss men's prayer meeting this morning. Brother Jeremy Stewart, man, he, he gave a devotion about armor and we're in a fight and we need to be ready for the fight and how we're brothers and we can lift each other up and we can help each other. Man, I was charged up. 
He's excited about, about being part of a church that where brethren care about each other and we want to help each other. And listen, if you could have been there, you should have been there because it was a help. You need the light. The less exposure to light, the more danger you face in the darkness. Christian, this applies to you too. Many of us, we've been exposed to this book a long time and complacency starts to set in and, and we read it, but it's not as live as it used to be. That's not the word's problem, that's our problem. Complacency sets in and we just check it off. We're not seeking God's face. We're just doing our Christian duty and it's easy to turn off your brain and fall asleep or scroll through your phone or check out when the word's being preached or fall asleep right here. Listen, maybe it's too comfortable in here sometimes. I don't know. When you come, don't let yourself fall asleep. Be disciplined enough to listen because exposure to the light can only help you. It's easy to check out because many of you have heard it all before. But the light is the only thing keeping our deeds from being evil. And if you hate the light, you might be in condemnation. And I know that's a very direct thing to say. I'm not trying to judge you. That's the responsibility of the word and the Holy Spirit. But I do want to present truth to you. And what Jesus says here is there's a connection between those that are condemned and those that hate the light. And if you have no appetite for God's word, if you resent maybe the truth when it's presented, if you have no desire to read God's word and maybe it's been months for you, if you haven't cracked it open in a while, you may still be in condemnation. You might need to place your faith in Jesus Christ. See, resentment of God's word is a sign of condemnation. And listen, I know there's a balance. It could be a Christian that is just so backslidden that their desire for God's word goes away. But if you're genuinely saved, according to scripture, if you're genuinely saved, your love for God, your desire will come back. But for many, a desire to escape the light, it means that you're still in condemnation. And I don't know how else to appeal to you this morning. And if you're guilty before God, you will not like the consequences when you die. If you don't know that you know Jesus Christ, I, I would do all everything I could, maybe short of begging you to listen to the light of God's word this morning. Yes, and your words have condemned you before God. Your thoughts make you guilty before God. Your deeds, he sees them all. You're condemned before a holy God because of sin. He didn't come to condemn. Your sin has already done that. Jesus comes offering salvation. Life instead of death. Hope instead of despair. Light instead of darkness. I heard one person say it this way, Jesus is a better savior than you are a sinner. You can be saved through faith in Jesus Christ and you can pass from darkness to light, from condemnation to salvation. You can do that this morning by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. I was thinking about jelly beans. And I have over here God's bowl of jelly beans. Very colorful. There's no, there's no black jelly beans in this bowl. 
And I have over here Satan's jelly beans. <laughs> All black jelly beans. Listen, so think about this. In every room, in every home, in every location on earth this morning, there's only two kinds of people. There are those, those in the category of salvation. And there are those in the category of condemnation. Listen, you don't start out here and then if you do enough, you, you end up here. According to John 3, because you were born a sinner and you have deliberately chosen, willfully chosen to sin against God in your life, then you are already right here. Condemnation. And we might think, well, the gap is too far. I mean, a jelly bean, as a jelly bean, I have no legs. I can't get over there. Well, honestly, in yourself, you do have bare hands. You can't go from condemnation to here without help. But that's exactly why Jesus came. Amen. To die on the cross for your sins. And you know, here's the good news this morning. You may be right here by default. But if you would acknowledge your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ alone, believing whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life, then God can take you, even a black jelly bean, and he can take you from this bowl of condemnation to this bowl of salvation just like that. Many in this room might be here. I believe most people in this room are over here. You make a profession of faith that you are saved. But if you have never willfully made the choice to place your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior then you might still be condemned. And if you die without Christ, it's everlasting punishment. And this morning, I'm, I mean, I'd get on my knees if I felt I could, but I want the Holy Spirit to do the work. There's no reason for you to hold on to condemnation. The light has shown in your life. It has been revealed to you this morning. And the best that I can do, the best way I know how I've presented it, and the choice now is yours. And if you, by faith, will acknowledge your sin, come to Jesus Christ in humility, acknowledge there's no other way for you to be saved except through his finished work on the cross. He died for you, took God's wrath for you, and he can take you from where you are in the bowl of condemnation and put you right over here. Would you be willing to take that step of faith this morning. To the Christian, I say this. Jesus Christ didn't come to condemn. He came to bring a message of salvation. And listen, our job is not condemnation. The word does that. Our job as God's people is to shine light on the Savior. Now, in doing that, will we have to talk to people about sin? Absolutely. But our job is not condemnation. Our job is present, shine light on salvation. Let the word do the work of, of letting them know they're condemned. But you just with all your heart, with all the love that God has given you in your heart, your job is to shine light on a Savior who can take anybody from the bowl of condemnation 
and put them in the bowl of salvation. So there's application really for everybody. If you don't know the Lord, today's the day. And if you do know the Lord, why aren't you about the mission he was about? Salvation. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. I'm just going to ask a couple questions because, man, you go through these texts like this. I want to make sure that we ask. Asking you this morning, do you know that you're saved? Anybody in the room that says, I know I've placed my faith in Christ. I know that I've been saved. I know that I'm in the category of salvation. I know that's where I'm at. Would you raise your hand? I'm just looking around the room and the vast majority, and I'm thankful for it. Thank you. You can put your hands down. But not everyone raised their hand. Maybe you're still in the condemnation category. And it's time for you to stop pretending like everything's going to be okay because if you just continue on that path, then destruction lies ahead. And maybe you would say this morning, I don't know that if I died today that I would spend eternity in heaven with God. Would you pray for me? Would you just raise your hand real quick? Say, I, I don't know. Look around the room. Anybody this morning that would raise their hand? I'm not going to point you out. I'm just going to pray for you today. But you would say, I don't know. So the vast majority of the people in this room today would say, yes, I know that I'm saved. I know Jesus Christ. You're in this category over here. Okay, then why aren't we doing more to help those in the condemnation category? Because if they are already condemned, we used to be. And if anybody have a, ought to have a heart to let the world know about salvation in Jesus Christ, it ought to be those who have already experienced the move from condemnation to salvation through the light of Jesus Christ. Are you faithfully presenting shining light on Jesus Christ as Savior? I hope that you are. And if not, maybe that's what we need to work on this morning. Maybe there's somebody in the room and you have stayed away from the light because you know there's something in your heart that you don't want exposed. There's something in your heart that you know shouldn't be there. And so you've pulled back from reading your Bible. You've pulled back from God's word. You've pulled back from the preaching and teaching at church because the exposure of light has really made you uncomfortable. Well, I'm telling you, you can live in that discomfort the rest of your life, or you can simply come to the light, let him expose what's there, get things right, and then from this point on, have a clear conscience because there's nothing hidden anymore. And gladly then, you'll come to the light because your deeds are truth. Everyone in this room fits under one category. I hope this morning that you'd be willing to make a decision for Christ in one of these areas, either for salvation or as a child of God to, to shine light on salvation to those in, in condemnation or to expose yourself to, to the word more because you've pulled back from the light of God's word. Let's stand together. I'm going to have a, a prayer and then we're going to have a verse of invitation this morning. I would encourage you this morning, if God's worked in your heart, we encourage you to make a decision, do business with God. Make a decision. If you need some help in prayer, boy, we'd love to help you with that as well. But, but let's not linger. Let's do business with the Lord. Lord, we, we need you. We love you. We're thankful for your word. I thank you for, for presenting it so clearly to Nicodemus so that we could have it clearly preserved for us as well. And I pray this morning, if there's anyone not saved, that today would be the day that placed their faith in Christ. 
If there's any Christian here who has just settled in their salvation category and they haven't been presenting the gospel to those in condemnation, Lord, prick our hearts about that. And if there are those then also who have pulled back from exposure to the light because of sin in their lives, Lord, help us to make those things right so we have nothing else to hide when it comes to you and us. Lord, we love you. We pray that you work in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen.